You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. In a world filled with cigars, craft beer, comics, movies, and video games, only two men are brave enough to search out all things nerdy. It's the Cigar Nerds Podcast! And welcome to Cigar Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Smokin' Joe. I'm Brad Jackson. And here we are once again, episode 117. I'm glad you can remember the episodes, because I, I like have to go back every episode and be like, what did we call that? What, what number was it? Because... It's only because when I make my notes, I go back and look and like, all right, last one was 116. <laughs> and then I type the number on my notes. And I don't even think we should utilize numbers because it's not like, you know, it's a continuation. I mean, every episode is vastly different. <laughs> so, I don't know. I just like it to keep track. It's like having a scorecard. But yeah, we don't even really have to, like, attach numbers. <laughs> just throw them up there with a name. So, uh, welcome to the Wickening. The Wickening, I like that. <laughs> John Wick 3 is what we're going to be talking about this week. And for uh, we got a, uh, a special cigar for Mr. Wick. Uh, so what are we smoking this week, Brad? So this week we have uh, got something new to the podcast. You better bring some of your uh, you know, gold coins for this one. Yeah, so um, we are actually smoking the Gurkha Triad... Uh, Maduro Platinum, and uh, our Platinum Maduro. Let's get it right. Um, so yeah, I uh, you know I've got a not so loving relationship with Gurkha just right off the bat. <laughs> so when you know we were asked to, hey guys, you should you know talk about this Gurkha. Like immediately, I'm like, okay, great marketing, but. All of the cigars kind of, you know, just leave me underwhelmed and underjoyed, uh, by and large. There's a couple of Gurkhas I've, I've liked, but yeah, Gurkha, they're amazing marketers. Like, all their cigars have really badass names, and the boxes alone look, like, super badass. Where you're like, I want, I want that just, just so I can have that box. And, you know, they've kind of jumped in the market of... Uh, extreme high-end cigars, you know, for people who want to have bragging rights. And shout out to the cigar shop incoming because we definitely would not be, you know, smoking the triad unless, you know, <laughs> Tim hooked us up and, and gave us a couple just to see if a uh, uh, $100, 100-plus dollar cigar, depending on where you get it. I've seen it go as high as 300 and, and some sites. And that's the thing. For <laughs> as long as we have uh, been going to the cigar shop, um, you know, there was always the elusive two boxes, you know, do not touch, you know. And <laughs> it was, you know, I, and, you know, I've always kind of joked around with the, you know, what makes this a $100 cigar? And, you know, by and large, it's just the age of the tobaccos that went into it. So I mean, here you plus got... it's super limited. They apparently only made like three hundred boxes of these. Uh, so they... I guess we should tell folks what this cigar actually consists of. So it's got a Connecticut broadleaf wrapper. Or I'm sorry, no, this is the Connecticut, Maduro, yeah, Maduro. Ecuadorian wrapper. Yep, with um, what is it? The Cameroon um, binder with a Dominican filler. Uh, no, a, uh, 
a 10-year age Connecticut Ecuadorian wrapper, a 7-year Dominican binder, and a 7-year Nicaraguan-Honduran filler combo. Yeah, so, um, you know, I couldn't remember the the actual stuff. Yeah, very dark, but also... And, it's and, and mild, I think, medium to mild to medium, uh, uh, which is kind of unusual for a cigar well, of this shade. <laughs> well, I mean, and that's the thing that we've often talked about cigars. You know, folks often look at a lighter color cigar and just automatically draw the assumption, oh, that's going to be light. Or if it's dark, oh, that's going to be, you know, way too strong of a cigar for me. And um, I think this is a great testament to... You can't judge a cigar by the color of the wrapper. It just does not work that way. Um, so, as we get into the first third of this cigar, um, my initial thoughts, and I'm doing my best to put my pre-conceived you know, conceived notion about Gurkha, the price of this cigar, all out the window. Um so just going and smoking the cigar, it's very floral, it's very woody, and that's about the extent of it. Uh, you know, no spice, um, not a a huge complexity in, in my opinion on this, um, you know, uh, just... having a hard time you know like i know what i want to say um which is this this about tastes like a gas station cigar (laughs) and and i think that's an insult um so i you know i i think personally this cigar if you're a guy that likes very floral beers this will probably be a cigar up your alley. If you're somebody that is, you know, more into bourbon stouts and that type of thing, uh, it's it's going to leave, you know, a lot there to be desired. Um, and yeah, it might be a little mild to to pair with a, a strong bourbon, but yeah, like you said, like a like a Belgian or something like more more floral. It's got to have floral notes. And this would probably be be good with. And, and and that's the thing for me is um you know I I'm a fan of some Belgians um but typically I err on the heavier side of like a quad or something um so I mean this this cigar here could potentially be right up some folks alley that enjoys more of a airy lighter smoke um but for somebody that likes spice and you know likes an intensity uh. This isn't it. Um, yeah, this is definitely the m- more milder cigar we've smoked in a while because we tend to tend to smoke. We drink on the heavy side and we smoke on the heavy side. <laughs> we we like our beers dark and our and our uh, cigars on the on the full strength side. And also like Churchill, like I I do like having a, the occasional Churchill. You know, we're, we've kind of gotten you know spoiled on the six sixties uh, for a while. It's like. Yeah, kind of going back to the traditional seven by uh, fifty-two. It's like smoking a real ass cigar. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, you know, maybe my thoughts will change as this progresses. I mean, here we are. We're just into the first third, so um, 
Yeah, so we'll we'll see how uh, how this plays out for the rest of the episode. We're about a you know hell maybe an inch in, so it's you know we still got a got a ways hey, to go. Hey, for some guys, we're doing pretty good. Okay, you know, <laughs> don't don't hate on us. Just the tip. Part so, of the millimeter Peter Club. If you're gonna try <laughs> to take down John Wick for that fourteen billion a million dollar bounty. Should call in the Strike Force. Strikeforceenergy.com. Use your promo code CigarNerds for 20% off your order. And if you're on the run, you know, that'll keep your energy up when you're fleeing assassins, you know, and you don't have to like be weighed down with cans. You can hold more ammo. Yeah. So with that, we're gonna keep on gurking along and uh, get into the main topic. Again. Hello, this... Mr. Wick. <clears throat> For the third time. Yep. I mean, because last time we talked about John Wick 1 and 2 and and where we thought the, the series was going. And I, I tell you, I, I always thought it was going to be a trilogy. You know, because like the last one kind of ended with a cliffhanger. But but as we'll get into uh, when we talk about this one, no, it's not a trilogy because that shit keeps going. It's like there's like a fourth one already scheduled for like 2021, I think. I... <laughs> It's going to be the next Fast and Furious. Yes, it's going I, to go on I, I can see it. But, um, you know, before we actually get into, you know, um, the, the actual film, you know, I, I just want to state, like, overall how much, you know, I actually enjoy John Wick just for the fact that Keanu Reeves actually practices this shit in real life. And, yeah. you know, it's not just... You know, Hollywood cinematics where every gun has infinite ammo. Like, they no. actually go into detail to do mag checks and reloads. And you yeah, it's like one of the few movies where you see, like, actual, like, good, well, good to a sense, like, gun, realistic gun operation. From at least a, like, competitive, like, three gun shooter. Like, if this was actual combat, like, he would probably die in, like, five minutes. But as far as the. The like you know, competition shooting element of like the the weapons handling is on point, and like you go on YouTube and look up, you know, there's a lots of videos of him training with Terran Tactical and other people, and for this new movie, uh, and we'll we'll get into uh, it shortly. But Halle Berry joined the crew, and there's videos of Halle, Halle Berry, Berry training with uh, yes. <laughs> with Terran Tactical too. So, so that's and yeah, that's what you get when you have the writer and director are stunt guys. I mean, it's it's you know rare to see a, um, an action movie written by actual action dudes that are you know 
you know, hell the you know directed by Chad uh, Stolansky, which was like a stuntman on like the original Matrix uh, <laughs> trilogy, and now he's a director. And even the uh, you know the writer uh, Derek uh, Kolostad too. I think both those guys are you know former stunt dudes, which is that's why the you know fucking action in these movies are just. So, like, on point. And that's the other thing, too, is, you know, there's not a lot of dialogue. But at the same time, like, you know, there's so much eye candy and everything else, you know, happening that... And the action really tells the story, too. I mean, I wasn't... Even though... And it's definitely gotten, like, progressively, like, more and more over the top. Where this third one, I swear the written script is probably two pages long. Because there's, like... Almost no dialogue in this movie. There's just but there long need- ass action sequences. But I, I mean, that's the thing is, there doesn't really need to be a yeah, whole I, lot of yeah, I was never, like, dialogue, or you know. And I was never like, you know, I'll say so far outside of Avengers Endgame, you know, um, and and Spider Man Far From Home, and maybe maybe a few others. You know, the the last few movies, granted, they weren't the, you know, huge... Well, I don't know. I mean, I would say Pet Cemetery was supposed to be up there. Um, you know, there was another one, but, I, you know, this was one of the films that I was thoroughly entertained from start to finish that I never, you know, felt antsy or, oh, I, you know, want to glance at my phone or, you know, anything of that nature. Like, I... My mind was just glued, and I was, you know, completely immersed in in this yeah. film, and um, the different set locations and everything else, like you know, just really kind of brought all of the worlds together. Like I, I, I thought, you know, after John Wick two, everything would kind of stay in kind of one location, but no, we we're all over the map, yeah, literally, straight up um, globe trotting in this one. I mean, it's like, you know, where in the world is John Wick 3? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, because, uh, it, yeah, it's just kind of expanded each time where, like I said, the first one pretty much took place primarily in, in New York, where then the second one you had where he went, you know, to Italy to to take out that uh, <laughs> uh, table member. And then this one, I mean, he's like everywhere. He's like freaking Morocco and, and, and yeah, just got, I mean, it's worldwide. You see really how big this, the, the table, the syndicate, whatever you want to call it is. And if you will remember from, from the last movie and I saw one thing too about the, the series of these movies there, they all like start within an hour or a day of the previous film. Yeah, so I mean he's it's, having the worst like week of anyone's life. I'm like, you, when you look at these three movies together, you're like, all this shit happens in like maybe 72 hours or or like you know four or five days at the most. This guy's having the worst week. Well, possible. we know it's at least you know seven days, um, because you know uh, it, as as we'll get into, you know, we haven't really talked about anything spoilerish, but um, I guess from here on out, be warned if you haven't seen the film, uh, spoilers ahead. Um, uh, I, I, I will say before we get into spoiler that if you haven't seen this and you're a fan of action films, psh, this is really, really high on my list. Um, you know, yeah. I'm, and I, I, and I think just... that's a, the, another true testament too, because typically 
with sequels and, you know, a trilogy or, you know, it's kind of like, all right, I'm, I'm getting a little bit played out here. But <laughs> I, I can say that this film had me just as entertained and enthralled as the first two films. Yeah, because if you, uh, like the first one was very heavy martial arts and, and I mean, not martial arts, uh, firearms. And then the second one kind of, they added a lot more vehicle. <laughs> it's like the first movie, like, you know, these guys, like, I think it was even their first, like, directorial movie. It's like all action. Well, like, like oh, shit, we, this movie was successful, so now we got to try to be more artsy. So there's a lot more. It was still the same amount of action, but then they, like, the visuals and stuff and the, the settings were even more grandiose. And in this one, too, there was, like, you know, Looked amazing, especially like when we get into some of the stuff that we've seen more of the uh, the continental. That whole like glass <laughs> floor they had was was badass. I did, I, I saw that and I was like, "What is this? Some kind of server room or something?" But it's <laughs> but like... then the uh, it's not just the same action every time. Where like I said, the first couple were there was a lot more. I mean, first one was like heavy all guns. The second one had guns and a little bit more martial arts. And then this one, there's a lot more like hand-to-hand combat and knife fighting and sword fighting than we've seen previously so it's like well and i they, think you know, even you know also change up too, the, uh, you the know action elements each time you know uh speaking of the action elements i mean you know hell we got you know freaking horses we got you know motorcycles we got <laughs> cars i mean i, I you know I, as popular as that damn old town road song uh you know <laughs> was like you know I, I could almost you know see that play in you know <laughs> at some point i mean i mean he kills two motherfuckers with a horse <laughs> i mean that's because this if we know from the last movie he he killed a, a table member in the continental which violated all sorts of rules but winston's like i understand i gotta excommunicado you but i'm gonna give you an hour head start and this pretty much takes starts off right where the last movie left with him running through the rain with his dog and catching a cab and getting in New York traffic, which is that's going to fuck his whole hour timeline. <laughs> so he finally, like, cab driver's like, here's another gold coin. Take my dog to the Continental and leave him with the <laughs> the freaking uh, concierge while I go uh, take care of some shit. And then he goes to the, the library to find a, yet an, every movie he's got a cool, like, stash spot. It was the, the uh, dry cleaner last movie. This movie he's got, like, a book with, like, more freaking, he's like a hidden, like a uh, crucifix, uh, rosary necklace, and another one of the blood debt coins from somebody, which we'll find out later. But then that first fight scene in the in the freaking library, because it, it's kind of like playing a video game where you there's usually like a level where you've you've leveled up and you got all these guns and shit, and then something happens and you lose everything and you have to like start over. This is pretty much that level of the video game because he starts off like completely unarmed and he's like fuck <laughs> the entire town is after me and i have and the first so guy hard. is just you know the the little mini boss just to you know get you used to the combat you know <laughs> mini hell that dude was like seven foot tall <laughs> but he beats his ass with a book <laughs> i mean it was a very thick book and you know looked like it had the metal bindings and stuff i mean i mean it's john wick dude i mean you know <laughs> Don't give the dude a pencil. Don't give him a book. I mean, like, come on. You know? Which, which I did laugh. There's a sequence later where we and and we'll jump ahead and then jump back. But he goes to meet with uh, this these Russians to 
to call in a favor. <laughs> and when he goes to like the first like security guys, and they're like empty your pockets. And he's like, he lays down like the coins and the necklace and everything else. And they're like, all right, give us your belt too. <laughs> he's like, he's that dangerous. We're like, we're gonna make sure you're completely unarmed. And you're like, they've taken his belt. And then later on, we get a sequence where he beats two guys asses with his belt. So I'm like, all right, I understand. The Russians knew something. <laughs> I don't, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, a great testament to martial arts and, you know, just having the ability to improvise. So, I, I, uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, when I hear adapt and overcome, I mean, I, I truly think, you know, John Wick. <laughs> <laughs> and there's so many, like... As as unrealistic as, you know, it, it can be, because it's just... I'm, I'm sorry, the sheer amount of guys, the sheer amount of bullets, you know... Yeah, no, I think yeah, I think the body count for this movie I saw was like 124. <laughs> At this point, John Wick has killed more people than Jason and Michael Myers combined. I mean, it, it might just be you know, I, I don't know if you had to go you know choose Jason or you know Michael Myers or Bobby or, Aga, <laughs> Bobby Aga or you know John Wick. I mean. Who would you choose to face? I would take Jason. He's a slow motherfucker. I can outrun him. <laughs> as long as I don't trip and fall like the teenagers. I think I could at least stay ahead of him for a while. <laughs> as long as there's no water nearby. <laughs> yeah. Uh. And I think he can actually be physically harmed. You know, so if you've got... Depends on which movie you're you're watching. Yeah. Because <laughs> some he's immortal, some he's just pissed off and retard strong. <laughs> Just got to make sure you have one of those sweaters. Yeah. Jason, I'm your mother. Times are different now. (laughs) (laughs) Jason, I'm your motherfucker. (laughs) But yeah, it starts off with him like the the clock ticking. And of course he gets his ass cut and has to go to the doctor. And that's uh, it gets like half done operating and the clock runs out. He's like, sorry, you got to finish it yourself. Well, and and I got to say, like I was waiting at that point. For the doctor to turn. Yeah, especially when he he gets up after he sewed himself up and is like looking through the drugs. He's like top shelf and he reaches and pulls out that little pistol out of his desk. You're like, oh shit, the doc. And he's like, they're never going to think I stopped it an hour. You're going to have to like shoot me so they don't like kill me for helping you. Well, I mean, he's like, you know, oh, they may believe, you know, we'll stop, but they'll know I told you where the medicine is. So, you know, uh, go ahead, do it. But I, I love the fact too that, you know, he's a medical doctor and he's like, okay, just shoot me right below the lower rib. Uh, one's not going to be enough. Um, could you you miss my collarbone? (laughs) Yeah. Just make sure you don't grace it. You know, and you know, John Wick, typical fashion doesn't even need to think about it. He's just (laughs) where bam, bam done. (laughs) Yeah. There's so many like, just kind of like little references to the matrix as well. Because like, like I said, the director was, uh, a stunt man on, on the original matrix. So not only you got Lawrence Fishburne as the king of the Bowery, uh, that doctor was the, the, uh, whatever the key master, from from uh, uh, Matrix uh, two and three, so it's like it's bringing everybody back. Yes, yes. Morphe's gonna offer. Which him a blue I mean, pill. you know, I gotta say that as as time progresses, I can see the John Wick franchise, you know, kind of having that same effect that the Matrix did as far as the action genre and you know. That type of thing. Because yeah, there's been I, talk of a like a Matrix. I'm not Matrix. A 
John Wick TV series. Maybe maybe John Wick is in the Matrix. I'm I'm surprised they haven't made a video game yet because uh, I mean this would be a perfect freaking just shoot <laughs> shooting game. I don't know. I mean VR experience. I mean, as I'm, you know, I've recently started playing um, the division, and now I'm on to the division two and stuff like that. Like, it kind of plays out this way, but I die a lot more. John Wick (laughs) doesn't die. I I I seem to find myself flanked and surrounded all the time because it's like one dude versus forty, and you know they're all rushing you, and (laughs) it's like, all right, well, yeah, yeah, I like uh. I like the thing too. Winston says when he first, when he gets back to the hotel, he's like, and the concierge is like, "Do you really think he has a chance of getting off the island?" He's like, fourteen million million dollar bounty every hitman in New York after him." I'd say, say odds about even. <laughs> Which I mean is a pretty fair assessment. Un- un- unfortunately, in real life, you know, I don't think the odds would be in your favor. <laughs> yeah, but the whole like, I mean, John Wick two when he gets back from from Italy and there's that run and gun battle of like every hitman trying to like take out the bounty as he fights his way to the to find the guy he wants to kill and end up at the continental we kind of got a continuation of that cuz now he's like fighting his way to get to the russian ballet uh for the next part of his journey and yeah it's like every hitman in freaking new york is after his ass and that whole like it's like I think everyone in New York is is a hitman at this point because like every guy you pass in the street is like, Ooh. Like, well, I mean, doesn't matter what they're doing. You know, I mean, that's the thing is, you know, I mean, hey, I'm gonna pay you, you know, to be a street bum and you know just watch. <laughs> you know, I mean that. Uh, you know, I mean you hear oftentimes you know law enforcement talking about you know rolling through you know heavily and infested uh drug neighborhoods and stuff like that where you know they're like you know we can't get within you know several blocks of this place because the lookout you know that guy that's just riding his bike down the street or this person that's just sitting on the front porch or what everybody's a fucking lookout (laughs) yeah because one thing i liked how is they each movie kind of expands on the the criminal organization where the last movie we had a little bit more about the continental and then they introduced the the Bowery King and even goes a little bit more deeper into that where it's like, you know, the continental is security and supply where the Bowery is Intel. You know, they're, they're like the all watching eye of, <laughs> of at least of New York. Well, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I love the way that this film actually gave a lot more insight as to the high table and the organization, you know, because you truly see it, like as I was watching this, you know, I, I'm I'm thinking, you know, more like patriarchy style governments and everything, where, you know, one person makes this set of rules, but, you know, like what happens when they're wrong? Like who yeah. rises up to challenge them and and that type of thing? And you know, not necessarily saying that John Wick has not you know had any wrongs or anything, but you know, it just Kind of way too much power for one being. Yeah, it's like you fucked up, but kind of understand it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like you know, he just had enough and shoots that fucker in the face in the last movie, and it's like you know, I knew I violated the rules, but yeah, I had enough. <laughs> there should be an exception, and that's why kind of you know, Winston gave him that head start. But uh, 
But yeah. I mean, then again, you know, it, like it, it set the stage great because, oh, well, you gave them a head start. So what? You, you enabled the criminals. So now we're coming after you. Oh, because yeah, we got the you shared intel or, you know, this and that. Like we're coming after you. Oh, you gave them seven bullets. <laughs> yeah, because they introduced the new character of the adjudicator, who is like the kind of, I guess, the middle manager of the head table. She's the enforcer uh, of the of the head table, and they're pissed off because they blame Winston for like they're like you should have killed him there in the continental, but you gave him an hour head start, so we're giving you seven days to you know retire. And he's like, go fuck yourself. And then they go to the to Lawrence Fishburne and the Bowery King, they're like, well, you, you helped John Wick as well. Uh, so, you know, you've got seven days to give up your throne. And he's like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> and then it comes back to, to haunt them all. And, you know, as John goes, and we get a whole lot more, you know, about John Wick's backstory because the person he flees to is this ballet company which is run by a uh, a lady uh, played by angelica houston who's apparently like this is the place john wick came from we found out his real name is like jordania something or another where he's like and like it's like this whole the whole front is this illustrious ballet school but they pretty much train all the girls in ballet and all the all the boys in wrestling and fighting and assassination techniques it's like we take you know probably orphans or, or street kids or whatever. And, and tr it's like a hitman's uh school. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a great front front, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, in, in a lot of ways I could see ballet being diff just as difficult as uh, martial arts. Like, Oh yeah. And like that lady's like hardcore too. Like making people dance. So they're like, See their Cabs feet bleeding, are bleeding and, and you know, <laughs> fucking toenails getting pulled off, and uh, and then the the boys are all beating the shit out of each other in bathrobes for some reason, which was kind of weird. But yeah, he goes there with the I guess boys will be boys, <laughs> yeah, with the rosary cross thing, and he's like, I have my ticket, like you still owe me one favor. He's like, I need transportation, and uh, she's like, You've been excommunicated, kind of, that doesn't mean shit. And he's like, Hey, you know, I did a lot for y'all. You fucking owe me. And so they're like, All right. Well, I mean, it's like, hey, this is where I come from, you know, and everything else. Like, yeah, like y'all are my last family. Like, I need, I need transportation, and I like that the whole thing is like, all right, your ticket has been punched, and they freaking brand him with the, the cross upside down. So when your ticket's been punched, there's no more favors for you. And the whole thing is like, where do you want to go? She's like, I want to ride to like Casablanca, which I totally thought that was going to be some kind of like code name for something, like you know, Casablanca was some secret. Assassin code word. No, he really wanted to go to Casablanca. I was like, oh, that's fucking weird. <laughs> totally thought that meant something else, but no, he's like, he really wants to go to Casablanca. I mean, why not? I mean, it looked like a cool place to visit as long as you're not on the shit list. <laughs> yeah. And that's where we get introduced to our uh, another new character, uh, Halle Berry. Who's, as uh, Sophia, right? Yeah. Who we saw him take the the blood the blood uh coin from the book and apparently she owes him a favor and she's now like basically the winston of the casablanca continental which is like a pretty badass place to hang out <laughs> there's a lot of cool shit going on there 
but yeah, she's like, yeah, apparently she had a daughter. And of course, like in this world, any family and whatnot can be used against you. And apparently the, the favor she owes John for was making her daughter disappear. So no one could, could find her. Cause even asked, well, like, do you want to know she where was, she is? I mean, I, I ultimately she was trying to protect her daughter from herself and being like, look, yep. uh, if I find out where she is, I don't think I have the strength to not go and find her. Yeah, and know? he's like, to survive in this world, sometimes you have to kill what you love. <laughs> or kill your love, however she says it. But she's got a couple badass uh, dogs. <laughs> Dude. I, 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 As sad as the first one is, you know, when they fucking kill his dog. Like, these dogs are just as on a as much of a vengeance spree as oh, he yeah. is, you know, because... He's got his pit bull, which, you know, it's kind of funny because, you know, you see all the headlines about how vicious they are, but his dog's just like, no, nah, man, I'm just your companion. I'm here to keep you company. <laughs> like, you never see him, you know. He doesn't act- bite anybody. Yeah. He just, you know. And there's that moment later on where he returns to the Continental uh, on a mission, and there's the, you know, backtrack a little bit, uh, the adjudicator goes to uh, basically a bunch of ninjas. Uh <laughs> You know, the the head guy, uh, Zero, uh, who's played by uh, Mark DeCasacos, who's badass. He's like, you know, has this whole school of ninja assassins. And they're like, like, you know, since Winston and the Bowery King does not want to cooperate, they send them out to to get vengeance on everybody. So they go in and, like, fuck up the Bowery King's spot. And they're like, all right, you know, you don't want to leave your your domain your pun- you gave him seven bullets, so your punishment is, is seven cuts, and he gets just sliced all to shit. And See, then- and I, I thought at that point, like, he didn't survive that. Yeah. yeah but I guess they were more flesh wounds than, you know. Especially that last, like, slice yeah, of the face. I, I assume he was he was goner, but spoiler, we'll, we'll see him again later on. And then he go- she goes after the Russians and kills a bunch of them and gets to the, the head lady. She's like, hey, he had a ticket. You know, that, that's the rules. And she's like, yeah, but he was excommunicado. You shouldn't have helped him. It's like, hey, fuck you. Like, this is my domain. She's like, well, your punishment has been decided to stick out your helping hands. And they stab her through the hands. And then, you know, but Winston's like, nah, go fuck yourself. And we'll get into the whole Winston story. Well, minute, I, and I think, you know, as far as the adjud- adjudicator is concerned, I think one of my favorites is when she goes to the little sushi, sushi stand. Yeah, to recruit that guy. And, you know, it's like... You know, basically, you know, hands her a piece of sushi and hands the cat a piece of sushi. And it's like, then he, um, you know, gets the fugu, which is, you know, puffer fish, which only... Which, if you don't cut it right, is extremely so, you poisonous. Know, she eats it, and he's like, well, you know, um, I served you. Now, you know, that, that whole thing. The thing's like, the- I have served, I will serve, is like the, the running <laughs> theme. But I like when he finds, like... A lot of quid pro quo going on yeah. here. I, I I feel like within the high table, they might have a a bit of an HR issue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But back to the uh, talking about the pit bull. <clears throat> when he when Wick returns to the Continental later on, you know, they say that the rules still apply, and him and and Zero, who's been chasing them, fight their way there, and they're having to have that moment as they're sitting in the uh, the lounge waiting. Uh, to meet with Winston and there it's almost like the uh from the Italian continental uh where him and uh common 
had that sit down where they couldn't fight each other. So there's like a little bit of like mutual respect where this time it's like, dude's a total fanboy. He's like, I just got to see like, first he sits down like right next to him. He like gets uncomfortable and like has to move. And he's like, got to tell you, I'm a big fan. Like me and all my students, like we like, he's like just completely fanboying on him and he's trying to like mean mug him and stare him down. And then the pit bull comes in and just jumps in his lap and starts licking his face. And it's very hard to be intimidating with this pit bull, like in his lap, licking his face as he's trying to like, <laughs> kind of intimidate zero it's it's just completely hilarious but i mean I, I that was a setup for another great twist because i figured at that point like somehow they would team up you know and <laughs> be friends or you know like okay well you know like i mean i i there was another instance of that later on in the film where you've got the two guys in that big glass area and you know they're like no we're gonna put down the weapons you're a great skilled fighter. It's our honor to fight you. And it's like... Yeah, because they'd have him dead to rights. Yeah. They could have killed him. And they're like, nope. So we, they pick him back up. And they're like, we want to honor you with like a you know, an even fight. Like They're like Zero's two like best students. And it, yeah, like that whole fight in the, the glass room was just... Because uh, like, like they're fanboys of John Wick, which made it even more hilarious. Where they just... You know, and he... Kind of gets that mutual respect where he, that's the, the guys, he whips out his belt and beats the shit out of him with his belt and finally like gets him down and he's like, y'all done good. Y'all can stay down. And they're like, yeah, we're going to stay down. <laughs> yeah, it's like, cause I, yeah, like I, I, be seeing you. <laughs> you know, that, that was another great one. But I, I don't know. I mean, I think as great as the guns and everything else is, for me, like one of the highlights was just watching the two fucking fur missiles in action the yeah. entire time. Like, so yeah, back up to to Holly Berry, the the debt uh, she owes John. He's like, introduce me to. I got to find someone who's above the head table that can like you know resurrect me pretty much. So they go to one of the members of the high table who's kind of over the banking, which was like a, another cool like. Uh, like you know, furthering the the mystique of the the whole like organization. He's the guy who makes the coins, and he like he has it on display in his office. Like that's the original coin. That's the original like debt marker. Yeah. Debt marker. And, and and you know, Halle Berry's got. And I like the little bulletproof vest she's got for her dogs, which were kind of kind of badass. I mean. <laughs> Gotta have some tactical vests for your dogs, man. You can't just send them out there, you know, completely like, you know, offensive. They gotta have some defense too. Oh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's like, he's like, all right, like I can't. The, the, the elder doesn't like see people. He see he finds you. So if you want to see him, go to the desert and walk to your nearly dead. And if he finds you worthy, and then walk some more. He'll he'll yeah he'll find you. But she's like, my payment for giving this information, I want your dog. And she's like. No, you're not having my dog. So I was like, well, then I will kill your dog and shoots him. But luckily, bulletproof vest. And she hit a gun inside the dog's vest and like shoots the piss out of him. And then the dog bites his dick off. <laughs> and she's about to finish him. And John Wick's like, don't do it. And she's like, he shot my dog. He's like, no, no, I understand. But if you kill him, then you're going to be in the same shit I'm in. <laughs> so then she just shoots him in the leg and like lets the dog chew on his nuts. And I, some I, more. I, and I love that whole you know thing of you know just eh consequences. You know, like, I mean, that's that's another running gag all throughout this. It's like, we're not really trying to stir up all of this shit, but, you know, we just got this never-ending, you know, cause and effect thing going yeah. on. Oh. Um, but, yeah, when... 
their exit from his his base. Yeah, this whole run in battle where, I mean, such well choreographed fight scenes. I mean, they're going in and out of shooting with the dogs, like diving in and out, biting people, and them shooting the people the dogs are biting, and and even that one scene where there's a guy, there's like a, like a guy in a sniper position, like way on like the roof, and she's just like calls to the dog and like bends down, and the dog like springboards off of her and attacks the guy on the next level. <laughs> But, I mean, I've actually, you know, watched some of the, you know, tactical training with the police dogs. And, I mean, it's crazy, you know, where, you know, they'll have them, you know, basically between their legs. And every step that they take, oh, the yeah. dog's right there. And, you know, then on command, it's, you know, fur missile away. And <laughs> yeah, when they jump in the through the window and start tearing people up in that car, <laughs> car pulls up and, it's and like, like dogs just jumping. And it's in. like, shit, like... It, it's like, it's just, I can't unbuckle and open a door and get away. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's just flying fur and teeth. Yeah, I said those. those no, I think it was all teeth. I, <laughs> I, I, I don't think the people in the vehicle even had a chance to react. It's like, so if, if you're going to go after John Wick, always keep your windows up. <laughs> yeah. Don't fuck with that. At least if, if, if um, Sophia is around anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I liked her character. That was that was kind of a, a badass thing. And you know, and you know, it was kind of cool as we were getting trailers like, you know, there's a ton of videos of Keanu Reeves, but um it was cool seeing her do some of the training and, you know, some of the yeah. exercises and preparation for uh this film as well. So, um I I don't know. I mean, yeah, freaking Halle Berry would be the next <laughs> big action star. If they start doing spin-off movies, we get a Sophia movie out of this. <laughs> I would be okay with it. Oh, uh, and then of course John walks the desert until he. Passes well, I, out. I, I love the fact you know they they drive. You know, I guess a comfortable distance for her to be like, okay, I got enough gas to get back. You're on your own from here, <laughs> yeah. but you know, basically she she fills up the dog's water and you know lets the dogs rehydrate and you know hands the bottle to John and you know then takes it away. And, you know, consumes the, the last little bit just to spit it back in the bottle and hand it to him. And, you know, like. Yeah, it's like I, you, I you've figure, gotten me in a load of shit, so yes, fuck you. Yeah. I'm going to drink your water. And you can have, you know, this this last few drops of backwash. Like, <laughs> good luck. I'm out. Yeah. And that was a crazy thing. Like, you know, I thought those two would kind of be the dynamic duo throughout the film, but, you know, no, there's a lot of animosity there, you know. She's, yeah, she's like, like, no, I've paid my, my debt's debt. paid, I'm, I'm, you know, in fact, we're less than even, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, but he's like, yeah, even though I still owe you, I, I, I'm clearing your, your marker, here you go. Oh, yeah, and then he reached with the freaking, the elder. Who Which, was not old at all. No. <laughs> but he's like, you're freaking... And and I don't understand. Like, all these other people have these lavish continentals and everything else. And no, he, he's he got a couple tents in the middle of a fucking desert. Yeah, it's very, like, you know, Yoda-esque. Just like... <laughs> That's when the shit kind of got weird, too. And then it's one thing that just kind of didn't make sense to me. Because they're like... He's like, why are you here? And he's like, I want to live so I can kind of earn the memory of my wife. Like you would think he'd be kind of suicidal at this point, but he's just like, you know, she's alive as long as I'm alive to remember. Her, so I want to live so I can continue doing this. 
and he's like, for Penny, he's like, all right, make you a deal. You can live. We'll wipe out your debt, but you can't go back in retirement. You're, you have to do whatever we tell you to do until you die. I mean, basically he becomes, you know, I, I think it was the flip the table. Like, um, it didn't expand on this, but I almost felt like that's how somebody gets the adjudicator role is you fucked up admin. Yeah. You you know, it's no, you fucked up. So now we own you. So whatever we tell you to do, you know, you've got to do that. And he even tells him like, yeah, cause the whole time, the whole time, yeah, the first couple moves, like, are you back? Are you back? And then when he's like, makes the, and the price of, of it is you get all, you will let you stay in the organization. You're not going to be free. You're going to be our slave till you die. But you have to go back and kill Winston, like his kind of only friend, because Winston has told him, like, no, I'm not giving up my position at the Continental. And then he also has to, like, cut his finger off to show he's, like, serious and then hands the dude his, like, wedding ring. That I'm like, you killed a motherfucker over, like, killing, like, the dog your wife gave you and then, like, you know, went after a whole bunch of dudes just to get your car back because there was a photograph of her in it. But you give him your wedding ring. <laughs> I don't know. I then again, the fourth movie is going to be him tracking that dude down to get his fucking wedding ring back. I guarantee it. <laughs> That's John Wick Four is him taking out everybody. Well, I think we should save that for the last little bit on what you know we feel like the the future holds. Um, but at this point, you think he's kind of sold his soul to the to the devil because he's like, all right, I'll kill Winston. They give him a brand new suit and send him back to New York, and he gets in that badass like running motorcycle. Yeah, sword that's fight. the thing is. <laughs> He actually has to make it back and kill Winston before the bounty goes away and the yeah. excommunicado status is, you know, yeah, even though like you taken know. off. So it's like, crap. Well, now I've got to go back into the shit with the bounty and kill my friend. It's like just to prove that hey, I'm serious about you know wanting to stay alive. Yeah. <laughs> and then you. Know, when they get there and like has the pit bull scene and he summons him to, to meet him. And he walks in that whole like glass room room with all the, like the crystal skulls and all that shit. And he's like, never seen this before. And he's like, yeah, this is a, we only use this for special occasions when you really have to see what your, uh, your opponent has under the table. There's like no hiding shit in this cause everything's glass. Yes. And he's like, so I bet you've been, you know, sent here to kill me. He's like, the, the high table is not happy with me for helping you. He's like, the hour thing. He's like, yeah. He's like, but I'm not going to fold. Like, this is my hotel. And uh, so he's like, you have a choice. And he's like, you can kill me and, and uh, you know, get your life back and be their slave. Or you can stand with me against the high table. And, and he's like, yeah, that sounds pretty. You're going to go to war. I like this. <laughs> and then that lady comes down. He's like, he's like, are you serious about this? And, and, uh, oh, I can't remember if it's then or later on where she's like, I represent the high table. He's like, yeah, but my power does not, you know, extends far beyond this hotel. And he's like, you know, you may be the, the high table, but I'm fucking New York. <laughs> you know, <he's> like, <laughs> well, yeah, that was a little bit later on. Cause basically, you know, what she does is she then, you know, phones in and says that the, um, you know, the Continental is now, what was it? De- De, uh, uh, deconsecrated. Yeah. So, so now business can be conducted on continental grounds, and now all the assassins can come in and And see, that was the out. thing. It's like they had to drop on this adjudicator. Like, 
They could have offed her before that phone call was ever completed. Like, <laughs> yeah. that, that, that's the thing that kind of, you know, struck me is two of them, one of you, and one of those guys is John Wick. Yeah. Like, And she's like, I'm just going to go back up to my room until this is done. <laughs> room 217 that nobody goes up and visits. Like, uh, you know, that, that was kind of the crazy thing is like, you know, why... Uh, but I do. Why does she get to hang around as long as she does? Because I know somebody like, you know, hey, you got five days. I don't think so. It's you and me, one of us isn't leaving. <laughs> but it's kind of all part of Winston's plan. And I just like, like, after they tell her to fuck off, you know, John's like, so is the services still, uh, still denied me. And he's like, under the circumstances, what do you need, John? Guns. Lots of guns. Like a whole nother like Matrix like reference nearly. <laughs> and then they go to like Winston's safe room, which is like this badass little lounge inside of a giant like, you know, steel door. And then there's just guns everywhere. And it's like, and him and, and as we find, you know, the, the concierge who we finally got a name for, his name is like Sharon or something. They never actually called him by name. You know, he, they go in there to start outfitting as this like bus of high table assassins like with badass like tactical gear and helmets and everything else show up and they start like outfitting themselves and and uh yeah i, I like the concierge is like yeah they've made a lot of advancements in armor since you were last here uh may i recommend the nine millimeter major which is a new like fucking high grain high velocity nine millimeter round they've developed for competition guns that are supposed to be hit a lot hot lot higher but then they all suit up and even even the uh the badass uh we get to see uh the freaking concierge is a badass too because he suits up with him and they both both and then i guess other continental employees that are loyal go out to to fight a war but then the bullets just start bouncing off these dudes and they're and they're having to like get in close and like basically like just contact shoot them in the neck (laughs) and like he he, like runs back when he's like completely out of him he's like knocking on the door he's like Winston, let me in. <laughs> he opens the door and he's like, I need more guns. Better armor my ass. <laughs> and that's that's when the you know, homeboy comes in. He's like, all right, I've got some armor-piercing 12 gauges. Like, yeah, all right, let's get the shotguns out and go back to work. And they go back with the fucking slugs and start fucking dudes up. Yes. And like during this whole battle, she calls, like, get Winston to surrender. And he's like, well, we, you know, are you ready? To, and he's like, bitch. And it's like hangs up on her and like, doesn't even like, he's like, this is my hotel. <laughs> And then after they kill fucking everybody, it's like she calls back, may I suggest a parlay? And he's like, yes, that would be a good idea. <laughs> She's a, a little more uh, uh, open to negotiation once, like, all her men are freaking dead. And, uh, I, and I mean, I don't know. Chuck out way too long. Should have just off the bitch. But then again, we would have had, like, a 20-minute movie. Yeah. And, you know, if they killed her, then they really would be on the, I mean, they're already on the high table shit list. But I think Winston had a plan the whole time because, like I said, he's just chilling in his room, drinking his brandy while everybody else is, like, just running and gunning. Which, I said, that's probably some of them, like I said, the, at least the first half of the movie was very heavy martial arts, blades, swords, where this was finally back to, the, like, the John Wick run and gun, <laughs> three gun match. Uh, guns. Glorious guns. <sighs> And speaking of which, of, of knives, we like skipped over like probably one of the, the, the funniest uh, fight sequences when he's first fleeing after his hours up, and he's trying to to make it to uh, the uh, the Russians. 
He's running from these from these Chinese dudes and go into like a glass chandelier antiques factory and turns out they're the dude's a weapons collector. So he like busts into his room and they're like fighting hand to hand. They finally look and they're surrounded by knives. They're like, fuck, just starts breaking display cases and throwing knives at each other. <laughs> and even that, before he even gets to the knife room, like the first room he runs into is like all these antique guns. And the first one he picks up doesn't work. So he starts taking them apart and like finding like working pieces from three or four different guns and put them together to like get him a freaking old I cowboy thought it six was, uh, You know, I, I thought it was he had the wrong caliber. Um, yeah, like the there was like a mismatched like chamber or something. So he just starts taking guns apart. Because I was like, holy field strip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that was pretty bad. I kept waiting for him to pick up one of those like belt fed like old like Maxim guns or something. Well, I mean, that was the thing. Like, you walk in and you see, like, you know, what looks like is going to be, I got a choke point, and this looks like it's belt-fed. Like, belt-fed plus tiny doorway, I feel like I've got an advantage here. Start but stacking bodies. No, no, instead it's, no, we're, we're going to go with, you know, just a revolver. A couple, couple six-shooters, yeah. But then, yeah, when they end up in the Cowboy whole... Cowboy up. The whole knife display area. And like him, the guy, he's, like, fighting, like, finally stop and, like, notice where they're at. And they're like... Oh shit! And there's both of them immediately start breaking glass and grabbing knives, and and that's what when he slow motion stabs the dude in the eye. That was just like there was like audible groans in the theater. It was like, ooh, that doesn't like make my skin crawl. Just I think my that, eye watered a little yeah, bit. Yeah, just that you know? slow jab into the eye. I'm like, oh, yeah. I don't know. That was that was up there with the uh, the hostile you know eyeball scene you know from back in the day. Then, uh, I don't know though. I gotta say, having my neck broke over a book binding though, uh, <laughs> that's probably up there too. Yeah, probably. That was... I think the 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 neck breaking though would probably be a little quicker than the. I, I don't know, man. Yeah, eyes the are eye so sensitive. Just, like, I, I just. How do you want to go out? Not like that. Yeah, this made this made me like itch. I'm like, it's just no. It just doesn't look. Great. I mean. <laughs> That and the dog nut, that dog bit like four or five dicks off. That just made me uncomfortable as well. <laughs> they're they're trying to go for the soft spots, you know the 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 weak fleshy bits. Uh-oh. But and and that was a cool thing too, is you know it wasn't like you know in some films where they're ripping throats out and everything else. Like I mean, they were truly there just to incapacitate you know the target long enough for you know either John or you know uh, Sophia to. You know, get a couple of uh, kill shots in. Yeah. And then we get the final fight scene between, you know, after he's fought his way through all the mini bosses of the, the two uh, well, students. Well, see, it was, you had your your wave of, you know, NPCs. Yep. Then you had, you know, your couple mini bosses. Then you had your main boss battle. Oh, but it's not the final boss. So the story <laughs> continues. And then you get to the final... So very video game esque, yeah. like <laughs> that him that fight with him and Zero was. I mean, it just went on for like a long ass time, and it was just badass. Where it's you know, he's still a fanboy. Like and then, and then they kind of fight to like a standstill at one point. They're both just sitting there like, <sighs> and he finally like because like you know, you know he kind of finally gives him that respect that like he's been wanting all this time. He's like, and he's like, it's a pretty good fight, wasn't it, John? He's like, yep. It was a good fight. <laughs> He's like, all right, I'll be seeing you. He's like, no, you won't. He's like, yeah, I'm just going to lay here for a minute. <laughs> I mean, because in a, in a way, 
Like so at the first, what, he's like, "Who the fuck are you?" You know, well, and he's like, "I'm big," and then finally, he's like, "All right, you have my respect." You know, I mean, that was another one of those scenes where I was like, "John's gonna say something like, yeah, that's why I didn't stab you through the heart or something.' Like, <laughs> you'll still survive, or you know, he kind of let the other two guys go, you know, and yeah. it's like, hey, you know, so I figured, you know, once again, it'd been like, kind of yeah, like with that's, Common, that's, where he's like, "I've stabbed that's why you. you're not already dead." Yeah, but you, you know, and. But then I was like, okay, well, obviously he wants them dead. So, you know, I, I thought that whole thing, you know, is going to catch the handle of the sword and just, you know, pierce them, you know, the the remainder of the way. But I guess at that point the damage is done. But, yeah, because like in the last one, like, well, even with Lawrence Fishburne, he like stabbed him previously sometime. And it was like, you know, you can either pull that out and die or go get it fixed and survive. And But this time it's like, nah, you've earned my respect and you've also earned like, getting your ass killed. But they have that whole moment where they're just like, when he kind of fatally, finally fatally stabs and they're both just laying there like, fuck, I'm tired. <laughs> Too old for this shit. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, it was a pretty good fight, wasn't it, John? <laughs> he's like, yep, pretty good fight. <laughs> you've killed all of my, my students, my two best students, and now you've killed the master. <laughs> you have my respect. <laughs> and then there's also that, uh, oh, was it, uh, Ah, shit, I had a thought, and it, it walked away on me. <laughs> but then you get the uh, the parlay where, you know, like I said, he said, you know, she, he's like, you know, oh, you're so proud of yourself. This was just my first wave. And he's like, oh, I, I know, like, you know, you would eventually overrun us, but my power goes beyond the Continental. You know, I am New York. And finally she's like, oh, this was all just a, just a show of strength, so we would let you keep your job. He's like, exactly. And, and that's when, you know, Wick shows up. She's like, "Well, all right, sure, we can we can forgive you, you know, pay your penance, and you can keep your hotel. But what about him?" And he's like, "Well, obviously he's going to have to die." And then turns around and shoots the piss out of John Wick. But at the same time, I'm like, "Is it really a betrayal?" Because it's kind of like the only way out. Like he has to like still show that he's temporarily loyal to the the high table, so they won't keep coming. But then at the same time, he knows John Wick's wearing a freaking bulletproof suit. He could have just shot him in the face because John wasn't expecting that. He shoots him in the body where he knows and, you know, actually knocks him off the side of the building where he at least has a chance of survival. Because even when she like shows up later, she's like, I went and checked the alley. His body's not there. He didn't seem very surprised by that. He's like, really? Hmm, that's odd. <laughs> I've got some thoughts after this relight. I did like earlier too when they first started suiting up for the for the attack on the Continental. Winston has that that line where he says, uh, "Was it uh, Pace Pecum Parabellum?" I however that that if you want more or if you want peace, prepare for war. Yeah. Um, that was the other thing too. Is there so much body armor and shit laying around? Why didn't they grab the helmets and you know all that like? <laughs> It was some good ass body armor, like to strip a motherfucker. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I don't know. That that was one thing. Um, but yeah, speaking of the the betrayal or what were led as a betrayal, like, is it coincidence that there was a homeless dude with a shopping cart filled with pillows and stuff like that that you know rolled him in? So you know. Maybe he went over the edge into a dumpster. Maybe he went into the shopping cart, you know, or, or, or something. Maybe he hit a few things on the way down, but he, it wasn't a, a straight fall. I mean, he had a couple awnings and shit. I mean, I think Winston knows his hotel enough to know 
that was like the best chance of survival. Because like I said, he's standing there point blank. He could have just shot him in the face because he wasn't expecting to be betrayed, but he shot him in the body where he knew it was going to have no effect and at least give him the chance of surviving. And but, he was dis- so. I but mean, does Winston love the hotel? You know, I I personally feel like Winston has more of an attachment to the power and that hotel than what he does John Wick. So that may have been a an honest attempt. Yeah, I don't know because when she because I mean you know the the whole time that the the fight was going on, like. You know, that that may have just been, man, there's going to be waves of guys that are going to wear them down and everything. Yeah, I'm giving them a few guns and, and stuff like that, but, you know, he's uh, he's not going to be at his prime by the time that he's done. True enough, but yeah, it's so just... I, 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 you know, it, it you can... Is I, he going to be our bad guy? You know, is he going to go after Winston in the next movie? I don't know. See, Winston was such a likable character. That's why that whole, like, betrayal just was so, like, out of nowhere, it felt like. But then again, like I said, when she goes and, like, she's like, all right, you know, we're good. And you're this, the hotel's back on the list and goes to leave. And she's like, wait a minute. And checks and finds him gone. And she comes back. She's like, his body's gone. He's a threat to both of us. And he's like, huh, I'm surprised. It was, like, very much like he expected, like, John Wick to survive that. At the same time, it's But then he says Baba Yaga, too. So it's like. We may, but he didn't seem that worried about John coming after him. You know, you know I'm I, I, I'm wondering though, because at the same time, like if it was a way to get him to go after the, they're both right fucking there alone with her again. So <laughs> you know, if she was the big bad or whatever, like they could have offed her, you know, and so be it, you know, like uh, I, yeah, I, I offered still her though is still gonna like just the waves of people attacking the continental. I mean, I think it might have been a way to kind of save face and and temporarily uh, survive until you can fight from a better position. But oh then shit! <laughs> what what better position do you want? I mean, this thing's decked out with you know fucking you know steel plated doors. You got a fucking armory. You got you know trained personnel. You've got multiple choke points. You got a guy that knows. Every inch of that place better yeah. than anybody that's stepping foot and like. Yeah, so I, I just don't, I just don't you want, know. I, I mean, don't if, want Winston to be the bad guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if well, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, if you were going to to make a stand, I mean, you've got the upper hand. I mean, shit, they got to come down a fucking elevator shaft. How many people are going to get on that elevator shaft at one time? <laughs> like, you know, hell. Even if they throw speed ropes and shit like that, and you get 20 guys down, you know, they're still in a fucking choke point. I mean, hell, you got enough firepower that, you know, three people could, you know, suppress the shit out of that. Like, <laughs> But then you get our reveal that the Bowery King didn't die. Even though they f- seriously fucked up a lot of his guys. His uh, He healed quick. His, his, homeless, uh, his homeless head man, uh, TikTok, you know. Finds John in the alley and makes him disappear, which almost like he was waiting for that shit to happen, and wheels him in in the shopping cart and dumps him at the king's feet, who's all patched, you know, sewed up. And he's like, he's like, those motherfuckers cut me a lot, and I'm pissed off at the high table, and I'm gonna go take those motherfuckers out. And he's like, are you as pissed off as I am, John? And he like, raise your hand if you can hear me. And he raises his hand. He's like, oh shit, they took your finger. And he's like, how was that? And he fucking gives him the finger. <laughs> the other like flicks him off and he's like he's like so yeah he's like i'm going to war with these assholes are you as pissed off as i am he's like yeah 
I think I am. So it's going to be the Bowery King and John Wick versus the the freaking high table next time around. But I, you know, I, I honestly think that probably the individual factions will end up coming together to overthrow the high table. Yeah, I'm hoping it's like Winston and the Continental versus like taking out the high table. Because I'm, I'm hoping somehow he he makes up with John. Because I was just like, oh, I really like Winston and the and the freaking. Uh, concierge <laughs> i don't know maybe there's another Either they take him out and the concierge is the new becomes the new winston yeah that are i don't know you know maybe there's another marker and another debt that's well that's owed the thing and you know that's the thing at the end of john wick 2 before winston excommunicados and give him an hour he hands him a marker he's like you may need this someday but that never came into play in this movie so he still has Winston's marker. He's not he's not played that card yet. Yeah, because he he used I mean, he, he found that other marker for that we had for Sophia, but yeah, he never turned in Winston's marker and asked for his favor. So, wonder if that's going to come in. I mean, it has to come into play in the next time because, like I said, they introduced it at the end of the last movie and didn't do it at maybe, all in this one. Maybe it'll be in the fifth one or the yeah. sixth one <laughs> or the ninth one. Who knows? Eventually. Yeah, but so I'm like I'm expecting there to be some kind of reveal with Winston's marker at some point since they completely left it out of this movie. Yeah, cuz I um I don't know. I I kind of figured it would have came into play, you know, when he showed up and he's like, "Yeah, you gave me that hour, but man, I'm calling on this favor now." <laughs> yeah, I'm going to shoot your ass here. <laughs> I'm playing your marker. Don't resist. But yeah, you, like I said never never revealed that uh that marker, so I'm I'm assuming they're going to have to it has to come into play eventually. If not, that's just some really bad writing. <laughs> and it doesn't seem like they don't do anything that they don't eventually pay off at some point. So I'm I'm, I'm hoping that's yeah something that uh, they uh, that tie up that loose end uh, next time around. So now that we're into the all right, this was a long cigar, like. I mean, I, I I've been smoking pretty constantly yeah, we're not through even, through this hour sec, and you're maybe half. I think I'm halfway. at the halfway point. I'm probably in like the, you, the you're, you're, final third, maybe. I got about three inches left. You know, um, I never put mine. I just fucking smoke. I'm a I chain well, smoke cigars. I mean, I uh, you know, I'm not a savage because <laughs> I read the book, so I know to let my cigars rest. And you know, I'm I'm honestly trying to give this a a real you know shot in the dark and a, and a and a real chance the way I would any other cigar out there um and and we'll give our final final thoughts when we get to the end of the episode cuz we still got with with a freaking churchill well, we got a long a lot still ways to go i mean what do you think about the cigar up to this point has there been a flavor change for you has you know the the strength changed because um, I will tell you, I've actually noticed some changes. Um, it, it it seems that some of that um, I don't really want to say sour, but you know, with floral beer, yeah. beers, they kind of have a like a bitterness to it, a, a little bit beer. of a, a bitter bite or something. Um, and I was getting 
a lot of that in definitely the first the, third. The, the wood. I'm I'm definitely getting as it goes a lot more woodiness, and now I'm starting to actually get a touch of earthiness as well. And I I think the woodiness is coming from you know it's got that little cedar thing on there, and I'm I'm I still don't know the purpose of those. Like I'm, in in construction wise too, it's it's held together great. It's 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 held its ash until I've decided to. To knock it off, and it's like I said, it's it's a well made cigar, uh, and like like you said, yeah, the flavor has has, and I've I've enjoyed it as as the time going has gone on. Like I said, we've been doing this for an hour, and I've never once going, I'd rather put this down and smoke something else. So it's 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 kept my attention, and like I said, we'll see how it holds up in the next you know couple. Segments. I mean, it's it's honestly, it went from mild. And I would say now it's probably at that medium strength level. You know, still no spice or anything of that nature. Um, and heavy clouds of smoke, too. It is it is a smoky bastard, which I, I, I like when the room is <laughs> full of smoke. Well, that means we're usually podcasting. Yeah. Uh, so, any uh, how does three hold up to the, the other two? Better, worse, same, same for you? Honestly, want to say a little bit better, I, you know, and and I think it's because of the diversity of the action. Yeah, it wasn't as the same well as thing over and over again. The each you know different locations, different. and you know, I, I that just you know expanded the John Wick universe for me, you know, tenfold. Um, and I will say too that where I thought I was predicting things. Turned out they weren't the things that I was, you know, oh, this is how it's going to play out. So, you know, there were some pretty decent, you know, twists and things in there for me of, oh, well, that was different. And then, you know, I mean, there was there was comedy. Obviously, there was action. And then there was, you know, a little bit of a uh, a cringiness at times, you know, <laughs> where it's like, oh, damn, that, that, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. And of the new people we we got... Like I said, I liked Halle Berry, but I really liked Zero. Like he being the enforcer for the adjudicator, he could have just been a freaking evil character. But you're like, kind of like this dude. He's like a total John Wick fan. He's he's very like amusing when he like yeah when he's interacting with people, even though he's like this ninja assassin. It's like kind of like this dude. <laughs> I like sushi. <laughs> yeah. He makes mean sushi. He can kill motherfuckers and make a mean sushi. Because, you know, I, that was another plot twist. Is as he's preparing the uh, fugu and everything, I was like, oh, he's going to poison that bitch. <laughs> and then she's going to find out that, oh, he's trying to poison me and she's going to lay the hurt down on him. But none of that happened. So in my head, I'm like, oh, well, shit. <laughs> he even has that line. He's like, oh, you like dogs. I'm more of a, a cat, cat person. person. <laughs> Who's <laughs> the opposite of John Wick? <laughs> so yeah, I uh, mean, all around great film. And with uh, that, which which of the three would you choose? Oh, hmm. I gotta say this. I the original one is still still just badass, and the second one seemed like there. I mean, there was some sequences where it's almost like. We can make a badass action movie. Now we got to show that we're legitimate directors and make it a little more artistic. 
So there was, there was some things where it's like visually where you're almost like, y'all just trying to like make this look cool now. But with this one, it was, there wasn't anything that's like absolutely like shocking that took you out of the story. And there was so much diversity in the action this time around where it wasn't just the same. Each fight scene was kind of different from the last fight scene. So I, I, I think this one probably been the, the best so far. Cause it's just like, it was never boring. Even though, like, like I said, there's probably two pages of dialogue. It's all action, but it never got like too much. And like each fight scene was, it's like a completely different dynamic and style nearly that it wasn't just like, here's another gunfight. It's like each fight seemed to be like completely different. And I, and I think they did a good job too of, we know how overpowering John Wick can be. And, you know, they did a really good job of actually mortalizing him and, you know, making it be like, uh, you know, he, he's not invincible. <laughs> yeah. He's having a really bad week. <laughs> I would almost, um, I don't know. And, I don't, I mean, hell of a great film. Yeah, it's like, I, they, I mean, it, it keeps getting bigger each time. I'm like, the freaking next one is going to be insane. It's like, <laughs> I don't know what, how they, how they step it up from here. Well, with that, we're going to step it up from here with another segment. I'm on the highway walking across America, sweat stained in my blue suede shoes. some science gonna get some learnage on gonna learn some shit guns and gun accessories oh no wait a minute that was the last segment so uh doctor who or not doctor that doctor who but the world health organization officially recognized video game addiction as a legitimate uh disease interesting so, what is like this that you spend too much time in front of the TV, not enough time actually getting vitamin D well, and exercising, like the, uh, and you know being social, or kind of like the there's several, I guess, health books that they revise every once in a while, and they're in the process of adapting the eleventh revision of the International Statistical Classification of Diseases and Related Health Problems. Uh, and then, you know, this will go into effect in 2022 and it's basically it, it, you know, has now recognized this as a legitimate addiction as they're saying, but it doesn't really have to do with the amount of time you spend gaming. So like, you know, if you're, you know, a hardcore gamer who spends 13 hours a day, play, don't worry. It doesn't mean you're addicted yet. It's once it becomes 
a detriment to, you know, life and stuff when it, and it said it, you know, manifests by an impairment and control over how often intensely or long one plays game in addition to the inability to quit playing. And, and when it starts to have significant impairment of personal, family, social, educational, occupational, other important areas of functioning. So you can still play games for 12 hours a day as long as you still put it down and go to work or feed yourself and take care of your families. <laughs> but once it starts to kind of like drugs and alcohol affect the other areas of your life, then it's like you might have a problem. You know what it is? All these big publishers fucking putting loot boxes and making people gamble and shit, and everybody's <laughs> got a fucking gambling addiction. Yeah, pretty. You know the <laughs> the um, you know uh, whatever Entertainment Software Association has already asked like them to like reverse its classification, going you know, hey, two billion players enjoy have joined enjoyed video games for the last four decades, and they're like. You know, it's and you know they're like you know it has nothing to do with, and they've also said yeah this kind of trivialize you know people with real mental health issues. But then again, you know, if you make video games for a living, you don't want people thinking that video games are now <laughs> something that's going to be a problem. Or you know, if you're a company that you know makes a lot of money off of selling drugs or advocating symptoms and diseases um for drug manufacturers to be like oh you just need more ritalin or oh you focus too much we just need to give you you know this antidepressant or you know something you know like let's sell more games more drugs (laughs) and guns yeah wait a second he said guns we can't have guns but they also say like digital addiction extends beyond video games with you know people stuck on their smartphones and social media, which increases has shown to increase loneliness, anxiety, and depression and can form neurological connections similar to the way the brain uh, deals with opioid addiction. And it, you know, it says people, uh, children who play games more than four hours a day uh, are shown to be more likely to suffer from symptoms of depression. But I mean, it's like I said, all things in moderation. Cause they also say it like, you know, has some benefits of expanding cognitive abilities, increasing brain size and cognitivity, improving eyesight and hand-eye coordination. So it's like one or the other in balance. You must bring balance to the force. May the force be with you. I wish I could be like a, I don't have time to game anymore. (laughs) I mean, I, you know, I'll admit like after I get off work and, you know, finish dinner and everything else, like, I might game for an hour or two, but you know it's yeah, okay. PlayStation now, is now probably, is I need to go to bed. A, a Netflix tool. That's about. I use it way more for streaming than I do actual gaming anymore, just because fucking time. But yeah, it's like yeah, play your games, people. Don't worry about it. Just don't you know avoid eating and having this just in streaming Netflix now a disease. Probably. Too many people are Netflixing and chilling. <laughs> Disease to my wallet. Oh. Also, speaking of uh, things that can be addicting, uh, a German uh, ha- uh, programmer has claimed to a, that he has developed a facial recognition software that can identify porn actors. Uh, 
by their faces? Pretty much, yeah. It's it's basically. I mean, it, can't you look at a porn actor's face? Well, I mean, it's it, actually, it, it's uh, being used to find out people's real identities. It it cross references facial recognition from known porn actors against Facebook, Twitter, and all social media to identify these people's real so life things. Big Boobs McGee is now Mary Beth down the street. Yeah, so there's okay. there's definitely uh people arguing against this saying it's you know, an invasion of privacy and also endangers people who you know may have to deal but with I mean, stalkers and isn't whatnot. Isn't that always kind of a a gamble like I mean even before the era of you know internet when it was magazines it's like I'm going to have my exposed body here and on store shelves for anybody to pick up. And and later on, when I want to get like a corporate job or something, this may come back to haunt me. And, you know, Germans aren't known for being the most uh, inclusive of people. So people have you know, also said this is very sexist because it's specifically designed to identify women. And the original author of it claimed that like, oh, this is for guys can see if their girlfriend has ever been uh, in porn so they can find out if their significant other has like a secret life. And after all the uproar, like, dude, this is kind of misogynistic. He's like, oh, no, no, it can also be used by girls to find out if any of their videos, home videos have leaked and are on a porn site so they can, you know, follow the steps to get that shit pulled down. So he's kind of like backpilling. Now he's like, and I'm going to come out with a, a version of for male actors too. So ladies can find out if their boyfriends have ever done porn or whatnot. Yeah. Fucking so German many perverts. insecurities. And <laughs> yeah. you know, like, I don't know. I don't get it. Like, I mean, we already talked about San Francisco banning facial recognition software. It's like, this is the, the, the next generation of uh, Big Brothers. So I mean, at, post the, something anonymously, at the end of the day, you find out who like, you are and where you are. You know, all the Skype. data mining that goes into Google and to Facebook and to anything related to social media and the internet With is an endangerment <laughs> to your privacy. I mean, like, we all carry listening devices in our pockets and have these fucking Alexas and everything else in our homes now. So it's like fucking privacy is always in danger at this point <clears throat> and we're pretty much voluntarily giving it away fucking whatever big brother orwell night all that all that shit's coming to fruition hurry up and you know i feel like i've been saying that for a while up. so another uh this just in skynet has developed skynet <laughs> Skynet now has its own porn site. <laughs> I mean, they got all these ro- robot brothels now. It's just a matter of time. <laughs> well, I also, you know, okay. Uh, a little bit of science uh, coming from the opposite end of the microphone. You know, uh, there's some studies that have been done that said, you know, before long, humans will probably start having, you know, more sex with robots more frequently than they do actual other humans, you know, because of dependency, emotional, or, you know, just the, hey, especially can... like you see stuff like people in Japan that like, yeah, that's, this is really where that's stemming from. Yeah. Where made, like, they have the ultra, that, you know, realistic, that, uh, you know, robot thing. Well, just and... that there's like a, a ton of people that like never leave their homes. They just like, you know, 
order everything online and, and legitimately don't want to interact with anybody and just kind of live shut in lives, work online, purchase stuff online and, and never deal with a human person. Yeah. It's like the next step. I mean, <laughs> just go order their sex bot and never leave their house. And the, then we get the whole ready player one shit, which till the sex bots evolve and, you and then know. they become the terminators. They get tired of getting fucked and decide to fuck man. Oh boy. Mankind. Don't teach your sex bot how to shoot. <laughs> International Robot Day. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And up next, uh, sorry. (laughs) So, Mars. uh, There's been a whole lot of talk about, uh, not Uranus, we're talking about Mars. (laughs) Possible colonization, you know, old uh, Elon is trying to to get us there, but one of the biggest... We don't want to go, that's where the portal to hell is. We know that already. Come on. Elon Musk never played Doom. Biggest problems with uh, any kind of... Spending time on Mars is the atmosphere is super weak, and astronauts would pretty much have to wear spacesuits constantly to live and work on Mars. But a team of researchers at the California Institute of Technology has come up with a solution of figuring out a, a, a way to generate oxygen on Mars or at will. Basically, uh, published in the Journal of Nature Communications, they looked at comets, which generate actually generate molecular oxygen and discovered that oxygen can be produced with a carbon dioxide reaction. Basically, they crashed carbon dioxide into gold foil, and the foil emitted emitted molecular oxygen, which the foil, gold can't be oxidized, so it shouldn't produce oxygen, but for some reason this you know high-speed impact of carbon, atom, or carbon dioxide atoms actually broke it into oxygen and, and carbon. So it's like I said, this, this, you know, technique, uh, it basically kind of operates like a particle accelerator and is something that we can just basically, you know, manufacture oxygen at will. That's pretty sweet. So we could, you know, possibly build a, but not like, you know, a particle accelerator that's going to like spawn little mini black holes that will eventually consume our universe and open that portal to hell that we all know is on Mars. (laughs) We've been watching a lot of videos lately of uh, like the effects of supermassive black holes and stuff like that, and what would happen if one actually like entered our universe. It's like a whole lot of spaghetti. That's what <laughs> Not they the do. Good kind. No, no, I, I don't want to be spaghettified. <laughs> well, speaking of weird science, uh, there's an English village being terrorized by raccoon dogs. And we thought chupacabras and, and Bigfoots were a problem. All right. Uh, I'm seeing this. And I'm like, once again, in an era of high-definition cameras everywhere, why is this shit always so fucking grainy? Like, you know, if that's a Photoshop job, it's like, uh, you know, we'll, we'll we'll just, you know, do some effects here. That way the image isn't crisp and people won't really know. Because I look at that and I say, uh, it looks like a sheep. <laughs> yeah, it's, but these things are, are actually real. Uh, the owner has come forward and said these two creatures escaped from his, his farm and have been terrorizing residents and, Clareborough in Nottinghamshire, uh, and he says, you know, they're not as, you know, you know, dang- they're not especially dangerous. He doesn't say they're not dangerous. Like, they're not that dangerous. Please don't hurt my 
weird raccoon dogs, which they say are actually not raccoons. They are kind of more related to dogs. He said they, they normally only eat insects and small animals, but they kind of look like a raccoon that's the size of a small dog. So what the hell is it? Dog. I mean, it's got to have a species or a genome, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not just, hey, this guy's got two things that have never you know been identified by scientists before, correct? <laughs> yeah, through the whole article, they just call them raccoon dogs. I have never heard of these things or... or seen anything like them and apparently they they attacked some local goats <laughs> but they're still on the uh the lookout of uh to you know find these uh medium to small size dog-like raccoons so if you're in the uh nottinghamshire area if you see see a raccoon they are wild animals not domesticated pests and they they could be highly invasive risk to natural species in the area. So call your local you know, dog catcher and tell them you got a weird rabid raccoon dog in your backyard. <laughs> I, I mean, I've got to now figure out what the hell this is. Yeah. So nowhere in this like article do they say <laughs> what these dogs, other than they are of the canine uh, species. So it's something related to a dog. But yeah, I've never seen this this animal before. <laughs> huh. And that's uh, all I, I mean, got. Raccoon, to which it's not closely related. Tankai in Japan has a long history in folklore. In Sweden, it's been treated as potentially hazardous invasive species. Okay, well, I mean, apparently these are things. Yeah, they're um, not... Uh, not... Uh, uh, Ah, it's a the raccoon dog, also known as the mangut tanuki or niguri, is a canid indigenous to East Asia. So it's almost like a fox more than a domestic dog. Yeah, it's more it's more related to like the the uh, foxes than than it's like a weird fox dog relative. Yeah, but they're not known for being in England. It's a it's an Asian species, so so why can't we say somebody imported an Asian fox that has now been re- released and escaped? <laughs> like, because it doesn't sell papers <laughs> or get clicks. People want to re- read about weird raccoon dogs. Okay, so we are now no longer a podcast. We are a internet radio show thing. <laughs> exactly. Okay, got it. Fake news. Hashtag fake news. And Man, with that, that, that... That was a confusing story. Like, <laughs> we'll it's friends. not often that you go down a science article that's like, I've got to further research science <laughs> to figure out what the hell this thing is. Uh, it's Chupacabra's cousin. <laughs> um, eh, eh. I see the resemblance. <laughs> yeah. We shall return. Dragons do not do well in captivity. How do you know this? That's what I do. I podcast. And I know things. Hi, I'm Robin Paris from The Room, and you're listening to We Podcast and We Know Things. Hello, this is Grant Kirkup. I'm famous for saying Ubinaka and Ikabokum. And you're listening to We Podcast and We Know Things. It's a more than it's okay, man. You're listening to Greg and Sam on the We Podcast and We Know Things, y'all. And now it's time for all things nerdy in the nerd news. 
And welcome to Nerd News. Yeah, news. All right, we're going to go ahead and uh, bring in a, a couple of trailers, and one I'm actually pretty excited for. Um, it's just released um, Rambo Last Blood. Hell yeah. And um, I don't know your thoughts. Initially watching this, I was like, oh shit, this is the Logan of Rambo. <laughs> Looks pretty badass. It's like, you know, the end of John Rambo, you see him like go home finally. And like, look like this one, he's like turned into a straight up like cowboy farmer and shit. And now the Mexican drug cartels are coming to kill him for some reason. <laughs> it's like he's he's killed all the Southeast Asians, the Burmese, the Russians, the Vietnamese. He's like, now I got to kill Mexicans. I'm, I'm I've killed every other origin. <laughs> First movie he killed rednecks. It was like you know he, he's gone all the way around the gambit. I. Uh... I don't know. Is it is it safe to say that you know he's as non-discriminatory as Thanos? Pretty much. He's like I kill everybody, <laughs> and it's weird seeing him. I'm like I'm used to seeing Rambo in the jungle with long hair and a bandana. It's like seeing him with like short hair and like you know cowboy clothes. I'm like, is this like the expendable like Expendables four? Because he looks a whole lot like Barney. <laughs> well, I mean, you know. I- I don't know about you, but, you know, sometimes genetics, you know, I mean, what, are they going to give Rambo a wig? <laughs> Wigbo? So he's gone, like, full bald and shit. But dude's 70, man. For a I mean, 70-year-old man, he still looks like a badass. I mean, that that was the other thing, too. At 70, is, I'd be, like, on a lung, like, fucking oxygen with a walker. Like, Rambo is such an iconic character. Do they pass the torch? Like, I'm waiting on so many of these films, you know, that have been around for so many years. It's like, if you're going to continue doing them, like, shouldn't there be a a passing of a torch or bringing in a little bit of a younger generation? Or I just kind of like this is, like, the one series they're not been, like, we're going to reboot this. Yeah. It's like, fuck no. I mean, it's, it's, it's I'm going to keep making Rambo movies until I'm dead. <laughs> I mean, but, I mean... They're, they're iconic films. I mean, you know, and I'm not going to not watch this. So. And this being called Last Blood, do you think we get a Logan-esque ending where, you know, they finally kill old Rambo? I don't know. Does I, he finally get to retire or does he sacrifice I, himself I, in some way? I, 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 Which, unlike John Wick, I haven't seen much publicity that says... New Rambo, you know, already in the works, because that's usually how it goes, is we start yeah. getting trailers, and then they're already announcing a sequel. So, I mean, they haven't quite did that yet, so I don't know. I mean... Yeah, does, he, does he finally get a happy ending, or is he ends up the Logan route? <laughs> but yeah, this looks, looks I mean, badass. he's been through a lot in life. I mean, it's... I feel like if he's gonna go out, it's it's not gonna be a a Steve Rogers, you know, Captain America going out. I mean, I think it's gonna be balls to the wall, you know, all out hell Shut going out. Um, but glory. I I don't know. So, I, I I guess time will tell. We'll we'll know when. Uh, you know, what is a good it? use of Old Town Road in the trailer? <laughs> Man, that song is getting used everywhere, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So uh, this will be released September 20th, 2019, as it stands now. So it means October 2019, we'll have a Rambo episode. <laughs> I mean, 
mean, this is what five in the installment. Yeah, this will be the fifth, uh, so, fifth Rambo movie. I mean, we we got time to to brush up and yeah, watch them all again. Well, speaking of brushing up, I guess for folks that are fans of the the Conjuring and whatnot, um, and maybe just horror movies in general, or if you got a phobia of creepy jaws, dolls like uh, my buddy Joe here, um, we got a new trailer for. I don't have a phobia. I just don't trust those little bastards. <laughs> Chucky's taught us a lot in life, huh? Yeah. I mean, I have almost shot one before, but uh, it attacked me. Yeah. So, um, apparently. Annabelle's come home, but we got a glimpse of the (laughs) second trailer because we knew she was coming home, (laughs) which is weird because you would think a possessed doll, it would take more than just a little glass case to keep it at bay, but maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah, I've yet to see any of these Conjuring Annabelle movies, but the the last one, the trailers for it looked scary as shit, so maybe I'll have to break down and and burn through the, uh, the Conjuring series at some point. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, this will be the third installment, um... You know, Gary uh, Duberman is the screenwriter. Um, he also did um, It and The Nun. And, um, you know, we'll see how he uh, does at his, uh, de- you know, taking the director helms. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it looks interesting. It looks a little bit creepy. I mean... You know, obviously, there's a room in the house that people aren't meant to go in because it's got 14, you know, locks on it or whatever. So why the hell would you keep your keys within a 10-year-old's reach and, you know, (laughs) group of teenagers that are like, hey, this is that house. Like, there's some creepy shit here. I bet it's behind that locked door. I know where the keys are. I'll go unlock the door. Yeah. You know, typical horror movie, you know, (laughs) stupid-ass that's the type of shit that'll get you killed. That gonna... and drugs and, you know, premarital sex. Yeah, when and, are teenagers yeah. going to finally listen to the creepy homeless guy that tells you the monster's going to kill all of y'all? When you get a warning like that, fucking leave. <laughs> Don't open the creepy door. Yeah. Don't poke the creepy doll. Well, I mean, here they've actually ex- expanded a little bit because it's not just the doll. We've got introduced to some new monsters from oh, that, uh, that universe. So... Um. Yeah, I'm I, still yeah. thinking that that fucking uh, Black Rifle Coffee video where they're fighting all the monsters. Oh, <laughs> oh, I I get it now. This is that sacred glass that's had a priest blessing, and that's uh, how. Ah. So yes. Um, don't break the glass. Don't break the glass. Don't open the case. If you knew a bunch of bad shit was happening, why not just leave? <laughs> Sometimes, sometimes you just gotta know uh, when to run. Gotta know when to hold them. All right, and up next, um, you know, we we alluded to this um, on the the last episode um, of Nerd News, but uh, sparkling, Batman sparkling Batman is gonna be real. No. So, okay, we know Robert, Pattinson. you know Pattinson. I always want to say Patterson for some reason. <laughs> Robert Ross, <laughs> Robert, you know, whatever the hell your name is, dude. Um, I mean, he doesn't look too sparkly in the little snippet we got here. I mean, you know, and, and there's sunlight hitting him. So, <laughs> Can the dude act? I've really not seen him in anything that I thought he was, like, cool. I mean, true enough, those freaking vampire movies were horribly written, and so, I mean, maybe if the guy's got something I decent. mean, the director liked his acting skills, obviously. 
Yeah, but it's a DC movie, and we've seen how those have gone. <laughs> the only like I don't want to see him as Bruce Wayne. The only way I want to see him is if he's Terry McGinnis, and we get freaking uh, uh, Michael Keaton back as as old man Batman. That's the only way I want to see that. <laughs> so I mean, the director says, you know, we forget Twilight. Look at the other films that Pattinson has made. I don't know what any of those are. <laughs> so, um, it's an indie sci-fi film called High Life. Yeah. And he's also the star in Christopher Nolan's next film, Tenet. So, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I mean, we've had good. We've had bad. We've had terrible. I mean, they covered almost every, you know, aspect of... Yeah. So... Can it be any worse than what we've seen before? You know, the, but then again, that's that's going back to that whole the grass is greener on the other side, and sometimes you get to the other side and realize there's no grass. Yeah, I mean, I'll re- reserve judgment until we at least see a trailer. And we, I, we may be wrong, but and and you know, this I just is have also <laughs> you know based on what they've said. You know, this isn't the gadget wielding. You know, swinging around. Um, you know, Gotham version of Batman. This is the hey, I'm I'm a detective. I'm a sleuth. I'm you know. This is this is me in my younger heyday before I got a promotion. <laughs> so yeah. Um. All right. Well, we talked about this dude uh, for an hour and ten minutes earlier. Uh. But Keanu Reeves apparently is in negotiations with Marvel. Um. To be one of the actors for the Eternals. Hmm. Um, so, you know, he was actually cast um, for Jan Rogue and Captain Marvel, but, you know, with John Wick Chapter 3, uh, that's when Jude Law kind of took over. So, it's like, I, 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 you know, I, I would kind of like to see his name added to the Marvel roster. I think the dude could definitely bring a a lot to the table, um, you know, I'm, you know, we already know that you know Angelina Jolie is going to be in this one. Yeah, I know nothing um, about the Eternals, but I mean, I'm always for a Keanu showing up in something. So I mean, well, it, it's set to include Karen Hercules, um, Durek, Piper, Forgotten One, uh, Star Fox, and Zura. So I mean, Star Fox. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean. Could you, could you? <laughs> well, could you actually see Keanu Reeves as a Star Fox though? <laughs> I actually, you know, in my head, could think that was a thing. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, or maybe we see Keanu Reeves as a villain. And he's not done a whole lot of bad guy roles, so that might be an interesting new thing for him to try. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I mean, I'm. I'm Definitely curious to see if this actually manifests and, you know, he gets his name. I mean, John Wick obviously has been a successful franchise. He gets added to the Marvel roster. But, you know. He's the new Captain America. (laughs) Hell, he almost could be. I mean, you know, shit. Um, All right. Up next is, uh, you know, we talked about some oh. sword play and some other Keanu stuff. Keanu Reeves is uh, Dr. Doom. That could work. <laughs> uh, well, we're going to switch gears. I guess in some ways still ties into Marvel. But 
Also brings in some zombies, a little-known character named Blade, and a well-known <laughs> actor that played that character, known as Wesley Snipes. Uh, instead of taking on vampires, it looks like he's going to take on zombies in a new action movie called Outbreak Z. Ooh. Um, which they show him in his blade attire, which I'm like... <laughs> we have no screenshots of the new movie yeah. yet. I mean, I'm always down for a Wesley Snipes movie, and I'm always down for a good zombie movie, too. Yeah, I kind of got burned out on, on The Walking Dead, I, but, you know, good zombie movies always a... Well, I mean, they're, they're saying that Outbreak Z is supposed to basically tell the story of two SWAT officers searching for through a college campus that's got a zombie outbreak to find a vaccine. So far, it sounds very cliche zombie film, um, but it very says that, you know, um, Snipes has been, you know, cast as one of the SWAT officers. Hells yeah. So, um, but a, I guess he's also set to executive produce the film. So, I don't know. That could be awesome. Yeah, I, I be curious to check that out. I mean, you know, it's uh, being directed by Chris Brewster, who did um, yeah, you I know, just watched a little Expendables. bit of Black Panther, Ant-Man, and the Wasp, and, you know. Yeah, I just watched Expendables 3 again the other day, and I'm just like, man, I miss some Wesley Snipes. And apparently he was also the fight choreographer and stunt performer for Netflix's Daredevil. Hell yeah. So, I, 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 I mean, that had some legit action in it. Too. Yeah. I mean, you know, this will kind of be his, you know, debut as a director, but I mean, you know, we, we talked about John Wick 3, and those guys, you know, being stunt actors, went on to direct, and we're getting some really good action. So, I mean, yeah, I like seeing these stunt guys starting to make their own shit. It's yeah, been, we know it's you, Joe. So you already talked about it. <laughs> That's why we're talking about it again, because i got to fill time. Yeah. Time. All right, speaking of filling time and box office budgets, Godzilla, King of the Monster. Hells yeah. Apparently it has uh, defeated Kong. <laughs> um, and I think it actually outgrossed Aladdin, which, you know, I know there were a lot of folks on the fence about a live-action Aladdin, but, you know. I've heard good things. I've I mean, not you bothered know. to see it. but And I'm not seeing Godzilla yet either, but... Hell, I didn't even I didn't see that Skull Island yet either, but I'm definitely seeing Godzilla at some point this week. Because I mean, regardless of how bad it is, a, a name as iconic as Godzilla, like you kind of have to see it. Like, yeah, I saw some of the people that weren't Godzilla fans complain. There's there's not a much enough like human story. It's just all a bunch of monsters fighting, and I'm like, that was my complaint of the first Godzilla movie. There was too much goddamn human story. I like. I want to see monsters fighting. <laughs> well, and it seems like they're doing the right thing this time around. I mean, like thinking back to traditional kaiju and original Godzilla. I mean, that was kind of the 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 whole premise. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of the actual storytelling from the human perspective. You know, yes, there was bad dialogue throughout, and you know. Lip lip syncing was not as uh, <laughs> universally Let carried over. Fight. Um, so, yeah, I can't wait to see that. I'm definitely on board for watching that at some point this week. Rotten Tomatoes got it, gave it a 41. percent So that usually indicates that it's going to be an all right film in my book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I don't know. 
So uh, keep chugging away. Any final thoughts on the triad? It's not the flavor profile for me. That's that. That's my big takeaway. Is it's too light. It's too you know. It's not full strength, full flavor, and you know, as far as an enjoyable smoke, it's that. Um, floral and you know a little woody. Um, at the beginning. The floral kind of tapered off, and it took on much more of a a woody cedar um, and an earthy kind of note. So that that change was like that was welcome for me, because me personally, I'm not a big fan of very floral things. Um, but at a hundred dollars per stick. It's a no go. To to me, this is something you smoke for bragging rights. (laughs) This is the quintessential Gurkha that you know. Unfortunately, most that I've had of you know just good marketing, not very great cigars. I and that's not to say that you know there's anything actually wrong with this, like you touched on earlier. Wonderful yeah. construction. Yeah, it, you know, great solid burn, no lighting issues or anything of that nature. Just, you know, it it left much to be desired as far as a complexity and a flavor profile for me. Now, some folks will take this, probably love it. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely milder than my my normal smokes, and but it had enough flavor, and like you said, there was some. Some trans- it kept my interest through the entire thing. I mean, I smoked it down to the, the nub. It, it, it's a, not my favorite, but it's a good cigar if you want something a little milder. But I think it would be a really great $10, $15 smoke. Is it a $100 cigar? Hell no. But then again, I don't know what is. <laughs> well, I, I guarantee For you. For someone who wants to be like big baller and be like, bro, I'm smoking a $100, $300 cigar. But, but as far as the experience goes, it's like, like I said, ten, fifteen dollar. I, I would co-sign on that. I mean, hundred dollar? Hell no. <laughs> I mean, like you're saying, you know, that that's all bragging rights. I mean, I, I I guarantee you, what makes this that you know price point is the additional aging time on the tobaccos. You know, because it's like, oh, we got this product that we've got to maintain and keep for ten plus years. Yeah, and then we're going to make it super limited, so there's not that many of them, you know, to... The more rare something is, the more expensive it is. But yeah, it's definitely for someone who wants to be like, you know, you're a you're a CEO and big boss and want to, want to show you you can no, drop some coin. No. It's just somebody that's a snob, and that's all there is <laughs> to it. Because a true cigar smoker and a fan of cigars is going to look at that and, you know, instantly call your ass out, just like people that sit there and say... Man, if you've never had a Cuban cigar, you've never had a cigar, you know? And, <laughs> you know, it's it's bullshit like that, and those aren't true, you know, fans of cigars. Those are just, you know, assholes, you yeah. know? If I, it was a $15 cigar, I would smoke it again. I, I wouldn't. Maybe I, a $11 I, cigar. 
I, I personally, this does not fit my flavor, flavor profile. I'm fine with being one and done and not revisiting it. Like, you know, great, Tim. Hey, love you to death, man. Thank you for <laughs> hooking us up with this. Um, but, you know, I mean, I had the conversation with him in the shop. And, you know, the same thing. We were sitting by the $85, you know, Fuentes and, and stuff like that. And it's, you know, there comes a certain point to where, Hey, I know I can reach for a Diamond Crown Julius Caesar, $18, $20 stick, and I'm going to have a fabulous experience with it. It hits every flavor profile that I want. I know that I can go to a Lito Gomez uh, small batch. Oh, yeah. a, you know, it's going to hit every flavor profile. This one just doesn't stack up to those profiles. And, you know. Yeah, there's definitely some $30 cigars out there that I'm like, yeah, I can justify spending that kind of money because I know it's a good experience. Not going to do it every day because I don't have that kind of money. But I'm like, I feel like, yeah, that's worthy of the price. That's definitely not worth $100. Well, you know, and unfortunately, like, I think we're at a disadvantage because you and I, I think, have similar profiles on what we look for in cigars. This is up neither one of our alleys. (laughs) Yeah, if you're um, more of a a milder... So I would be curious for somebody that likes a light to, you know, maybe, you know, medium cigar. Yeah, the cigar, low, low side of medium. If they would pick up on something, you know, vastly different than what we did. Now... I say, it, it kept my... In, it's a lot weaker than what I normally smoke. It kept my interest. It's not a bad cigar if it wasn't a $100 cigar. <laughs> but it's definitely not... Worth that price point, even if you can afford that for the bragging rights. I'm like, unless you're like someone who likes a super, super mild uh, cigar. Uh, but then again, like, would you not, you know, gravitate toward like a Davidoff or something like that? I mean, I'll say that you know the couple of Davidoffs I smoked, you know, were on the much lighter, airier side, and you know, I was actually kind of like, huh, all right, you know, it's a lot lighter than I like, but. It brought a little bit more, I think for this, that floral bitterness, it was a little bit off-putting for me. And I think that getting past that, it became a little bit more enjoyable. But, you know, I was like, eh, I'm only partially pleased at this point. (laughs) You know, there was never one of those, you know, groundbreaking... Oh shit! You know we've unlocked a a whole new dimension in cigar smoking and the the life of Brad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if this was a and at at a hundred dollars, it better bring that experience. <laughs> yeah, if this was a thirty dollar cigar and I had a choice between it and a thirty dollar Fuente, I'd smoke the Fuente. So <laughs> if if it was comparatively priced to some to some of the more premium cigars, I would still choose them over over that but again like i said it was an enjoyable cigar i wouldn't i mean in the 10 years that i've been going to the cigar shop it was awesome to finally get my hands on one of these to give it a try (laughs) and to say that i've smoked the you know coveted you know try one box that you're not allowed to touch you know so you know i i'm at least grateful for that experience yeah it's it's worth it for the experience to say like we have smoked it but yeah it's like I would not come out of pocket for it. <laughs> I don't feel like we increased our cigar cred at all, you know, but. Uh, 
But with that, check us out on CigarNerdPodcast.com. We're on the ESO Network at ESONetwork.com. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, or at least until iTunes goes away, apparently. I don't know. We'll see how that affects things. But we're at, at Cigar Nerd Pod on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, get your shirts at RealMenSmokeCigars.com. Get your energy drinks at StrikeForceEnergy.com. Use the promo code Cigar Nerds. And with that, v- see Vis Peckham Parabellum. And this has been a recording of the Cigar Nerd Podcast. We are your hosts, Smokin' Joe and Brad Jackson. Join us next time for more adventures in nerddom. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.